0: If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the get in touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com and the hardworking woman's guide to money available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon, or of course you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back, and Happy New Year. This is KT from KT's Money Matters, coming to you with your tips and quips and ideas about making money, saving money, growing money, investing money, spending money, we got to talk about the New Year's resolutions. This is like the biggest goal setting time of the year. Now, many of you went out and thought about your goals for this year, maybe wrote them down, maybe didn't. Maybe you have some repeat goals that keep seeming to make the list every year, but never get to execution. And, you know, there's a lot of research about why people don't accomplish their goals and why people set resolutions and why they fail and how quickly they'll fail. And so what I want to do today is help you up your chances of success by setting smart money goals that will help you in 2020. This after the break. Hey there, KT here. As you are trying to figure out what makes sense for people that you love for holidays, consider my book, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money by Kathleen Thomas, available on Amazon in a book, a Kindle or an Audible. This book is a terrific stocking stuffer. It's also great for the young female adults in your life who you want to give financial advice to and maybe they don't want to hear it from you. The book sells for $19.99 and obviously the Kindle and the Audible are less. Feel free to check it out. Also, thanks for being a fan of the show and a member of the Money Matters community. I'm always looking for ideas about future topics for the show feel free to go to ktsmoneymatters.com and share some of that information with me. I'd love to know what you think. It's sad to say this, but I'll just put it out there. Most people have broken their New Year's resolution by the 20th of January. That's right. It doesn't take long for us to abandon these ideas. So what I want to try to do is give you some tips to help you grab it, whatever it means to you as it relates to money, and then move forward. And so let's talk about first, let's back up and talk about the three biggest ideas that people say they want to change. One is, you know, health and fitness, right? They want to lose weight. They want to get in shape. Second one is they want to have better organization. Their life is chaos and they want to organize things so that they know where everything is. And this is the year they're going to clean the attic and they're going to clean the cabinets and they're going to throw away the old clothes. They're going to get things in order. And then of course, the third nature, obviously, because the podcast is about money. They want to get better at it. They want to save more. They want to pay off debt, whatever that means. And there are lots and lots of resources to help you figure that out. Even with all the resources out there though, or maybe because there are so many resources out there that people tend to go at this kind of a little haphazard. They might read an article, they might take a look at their credit card bills one month, and then they just stop and, you know, life gets busy and they go back to their lives. You know, as I've said a million times on this show, like if you think you're going to attack everything in your financial life at one time, and you're going to do it efficiently, it's actually part of how you fail. It's really true with any goal setting is that if you think you're going to change your entire life over, and then it's just going to be done, that Instant gratification of getting it all done right away is part of what happens that makes it impossible for you to keep it done. So even though it can be really frustrating to think about building your momentum for goals, that's really the best way to accomplish them. So I always love this because I think the power of choice is the is the most important thing to getting forward. I mean, so you know, some people say, Oh, you know, KT, it's like, you know, you gotta be smart, you've got to have true grit. You have, you know, you really have to be able to like double down and do whatever needs to be done. You have to have a strong work ethic. And I think when it all comes down to it, you have to have the ability to have a good, a good way that you decide. I think about this as what I call the power of choice. The power of choice is sometimes people want to do things and sometimes people just want to want to do things, right? Like some people say to me, I want to be really in a good financial position. I want to know where my money's being spent. I want to understand what my opportunities to save are. And then I want to be able to execute on those things. I want to know if I'm doing well financially compared to other people my age. And then I have people that say to me, you know, they just want to make sure that they have plenty of money. So the more focused you can be about the goal that you're trying to accomplish, the more likely you are to achieve it. The more things that you can you know, little milestones with which you can decide, the better you can do. So first is when we think about choosing it, something else will likely not fit. Now, what do I mean by this? It's only 24 hours in the day. Last time I checked, most people can use about 15 of them, maybe more, but 15 is about right. Now we're going to give a whole bunch of them to our job So now maybe we're down to six or seven hours a day that might be for us that we're not asleep. Now we might be giving some of that time to our kids or some of that time taking care of our parents or some of that time to our friends or who knows what else, grocery shopping, whatever. So we're only left with so many hours in a day and in a week that we could actually apply toward the things that we want to do beyond the regular stuff we already do. So if there's no time, if every month when the bank statement comes in and you say, I have no time to balance my checkbook, I'm not necessarily saying that you should always balance your checkbook. I'm not sure I believe in that anymore. I think electronically a lot of this stuff can be done easier. But if you say to me, I don't have time to open my mail, and I hear this actually a lot from people, their mail's on a pile on the desk and they want to open it, but they just can't get around to it. And then they finally get around to opening it and it's, you know, it's jackpot surprises. And part of the problem is they're not on top of their finances. They're not even looking at their checking account, Never mind balancing it. They're not opening their mail on time. They're not challenging anything that they see. They get a bill, they just pay it because they don't have time to figure out whether or not it's right or wrong. I hear that all the time. So I want you to think about your life like a dinner plate. And there's only so much room on that plate. And if you have no time to open your bills or balance your checkbook, you have one of two problems. You either have a problem with choice, meaning you're not choosing to do it, or you have a plate problem. Too many things on that plate. So the first thing you need to decide is what is gonna come off the plate in order to put this on the plate? Now it could be, I don't know, some TV time. You decide that you're gonna take so much of your TV time so many days a week and use it towards your bill time. Or you're going to decide that you, uh, I don't know, you're going to get your kids to take the trash out so that you can open the mail. Whatever it is, something's got to go in order to make room for this thing. What's going to go? You need to pick a time in the day or in the week that you are going to work on this goal. If this goal is you really want it versus you want to want it, the first thing you're gonna do is find time to work on just that goal. And I don't care if it's Wednesday night, Monday morning, Saturday afternoon, doesn't matter to me. And it shouldn't matter to you, except it should be a block of time every week that you're gonna work on this one thing. In the beginning, you may need more time to do even the basics, especially if you haven't been doing them for a while. And you probably could use some resources to make that work go easier. The first thing I'll say to you is you probably want some base amount of education. Whether you use online resources like NerdWallet or Mint.com to educate yourself on money or listen to podcasts like my podcast or are other financial advisor podcasts out there. Or you could go to Amazon and buy a book or buy something for your Kindle. Do you know there are 30 personal finance books on Kindle. Now I got to tell you, I got, a str- I got a solid recommendation. If you got to buy a book on Amazon for women and money, try The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, published by yours truly. It's a really great handbook to allow you to learn a little bit more about money as you go along, and then a good resource book to come back to as you come through different challenges in your life. But if you don't like mine, there are literally 29,999 or more books that you could choose. You want to decide that every week you have a certain amount of time where you do financial education. So whether that's a podcast, I think mine's 20 minutes a week or 25 minutes a week, or it's you're going to read a little bit on NerdWallet or on Mint.com, or you're going to have a book and you're going to read a little bit. You got to have a little education time every week. Probably an hour or 2 hours. But this could literally be drive time education. So it doesn't have to be you sitting there at your home computer, reading things online. You could decide, I'm gonna listen to podcasts or I'm gonna download books on tape and listen to them in my car while I drive. You're gonna use some other time in your life to get something else. Now, what are you missing when you're listening to a podcast in your car? Well, you're listening to the morning commuter radio show. Maybe you really enjoy that but maybe you don't care in the afternoon, then listen to them coming home from work. But some time for yourself. I personally listen to my podcasts when I'm walking my dog. She doesn't care what I'm listening to. I can't talk to her. So find a time that works for you. Podcasts are free. You can get them on Apple and a whole bunch of other places, Spotify, you can get them on C-Suite, the host site of our podcast. You can go shopping for different podcasts. You don't like somebody, you shut it off, you get somebody else. You don't have to worry about it. It's all free. You can go find those topics that you want to learn a little something about and just listen in every week a little bit. And then you have to have some personal time that applies just to you. This is that two-hour block that I was talking about earlier. This might be you're paying the bills. You're actually opening and reading the bills. You're tracking the expenses. You're looking at your cable bill. Or you're looking at your phone bill to figure out what you're paying for and what you no longer need. Or what you're paying for that you could pay less for. This shouldn't be like, you know, it's great to have them on auto pay because it's fast and easy. But once in a while, you got to pull that bill out and look at it and say, what's on here? So a little bit of education time, however you choose to get that. I personally love podcasting because it's easy and I can do it from anywhere. But you could decide to do it any way you'd like. You could read books or listen to them on tape. I love both those ideas. I'm a big reader. I think there's a lot of information out there. But if you're just getting started, you might find a book to be overwhelming. You might want to start with podcasts and then maybe some articles on NerdWallet and kind of work your way up. Now, if none of those things seem attractive to you and you have wealth, but you just actually don't have time to figure out what to even do with it, You might be at the place in your life where it's time to hire someone. Now you're talking about engaging a financial advisor, somebody who can help you figure all of this out and take that workload off your plate and then just come to you with the solutions. Now, what I'll say about financial advisors is there's an ass for every seat and a shoe for every foot. You could find a financial advisor that does all the work for you and doesn't bill you, but you pay through your investments. In fact, a lot of people do that. However, it can be the single most expensive way to pay for that advice. Because you're not really paying for that advice. What you're really doing is you're buying investments and they're tossing the advice in for free. But they're not really because they're selling you investments. This is really true. When you're working directly with a mutual fund company or you're working with an insurance company or you're working with a financial professional that represents a mutual fund company or an insurance company. It's not that this doesn't work. It's that you need to understand what you're buying, what you're paying for and what it really costs. And it's really easy to decide, especially if you've not made financial decisions in the past consistently to let somebody else just take it over. But if you do that, you wanna make sure, in my mind, that person's a fiduciary meaning they actually work for you. Now, I have a bias towards fiduciaries because I am a fiduciary and I believe that even though I gave great advice as a registered representative, I was forever being compromised in what I had available for my clients and how I could work with my clients by the registered investment firm I affiliated with. It wasn't that I couldn't get over it and my clients were happy, we weren't unhappy, but if I had enough money to work with a fiduciary, then that's what I would do. Because I'd want to make sure that their advice was not paid for by somebody else who had a different agenda than my own. If I hire somebody, I also want to know what's it going to cost and how often am I going to pay it and how is it calculated? Who you work with should be a function of what you need, not who you bumped into. And I say this because there are a lot of ways that you might meet a financial advisor. I always joke and say, if you haven't found one yet, one will find you. So, what do I need right now? Do I need? Budgeting? Do I need investment advice? Do I need investment advice on investments that I have that are not in my 401k or just investment advice on the things that I have in my 401k? Do I need to think about goal planning, like sending my kids to college? When can I retirement? Do I need to do an estate plan, things like that? Or do I just need cash budgeting, money budgeting, and maybe debt management? And speaking about debt management, before you pick up the phone and you call one of those debt management companies that show you how they're gonna put it all together and you're gonna do everything but file bankruptcy and it's gonna be cheaper, you really need to go into those things with your eyes wide open because a lot of times they're just paid from the collection companies, from the creditors directly. That's why you're not paying. You wanna make sure that you understand how they are paid and when it will be paid off. And you need to understand is if you're somebody that tends to build debt, like every time you pay it off, it comes back, And we all know that there are many people in America like that. In fact, credit card companies count on you guys. You're keeping them alive. But if one of your goals is to not be that person anymore, one of the things you really need to do is take stock of who you owe, what are they charging, and how much are you currently paying? And then you need to back into it and say, how much could I afford to pay a month, and who should get paid first and how much? If you can't do that on your own, A debt consolidation company can help you, but those services, even though they seem to be free, are not. They also kind of ruin your credit in the process. So if you could manage it yourself and paying them all off, then that's a good goal. If you can't, a debt service might be a good goal or bankruptcy might be a good choice. Depends upon how big the debt is. And if you have a lot of debt, and by this I mean you have more than fifteen dollars or $20,000 in credit card debts or medical debts, you should go see an attorney about potentially filing bankruptcy. You don't have to do it, but you should understand what that is and what that option might mean to you. If you are the person that has multiple credit cards in their wallet and has a tendency to build credit, what I would say to you is one of the things you need to do is eliminate some of your credit lines. Now, the credit card companies have us all fooled. They think, oh my God, if I close off these credit lines, my credit score is going to drop. And then what's going to happen? Well, here's the thing. You need a credit score so that you can borrow more money. Really, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy for staying in debt. So the first thing you need to do is look at the creditors that you have and decide who you're getting rid of. The cue here is it should be most of them. You need one, maybe two credit cards, depending upon who you do business with. And that is pretty much it. Why do people have such big wallets? Because they have so many credit cards. So it's not what's in your wallet. It's how many are in your wallet. If you can't organize yourself around them and they never seem to go away and you pay off one only to add to another and then swap it again, it's time to decide. If you're really choosing this goal, and again, this is a choice, right? You may want to pay off your debt or you may just want to want to pay off your debt. If you really want to pay off your debt, it's a choice. You need to decide who has to go. You want to be brazen about this and you don't want to worry about your credit score. Your credit score will come back as you pay your creditors down and do the right thing. It's not a risk to close credit. It's a risk to have so much credit that you can't manage it. And if you can't manage it and you're paying extra interest all over the place because you can't even pay attention to it and it just keeps growing, then who cares what your score number is? It's not helping you. You're just putting water in your boat. If it's just a matter of managing the cash flow, I do have a strategy for people who are always trying to figure out how to make sure that they have enough money to pay the real bills versus the other bills. Maybe like they got a little... uh I don't know. They don't know where their money goes. They got a little spending itch. There should be plenty of money to pay all the bills, but then sometimes we run out. We don't really know why that happens. For families that are in that situation, I recommend looking at a split deposit situation where they take the money for their fixed expenses. So here I'm talking housing, utilities, car payments, things you can't decide not to pay, light bills, taxes, and putting all that money in one account and then a separate account for what I think about is discretionary spending. Not discretionary, meaning you could choose not to do it. Like you can't choose not to buy food, but what you buy for food could vary, right? How much you're shopping on groceries, how many things are coming in from Amazon, how many times am I eating out? You know, it's not that you're not gonna do any of it. It's that you could control or monitor how much I do. So you separate the bill money so that the bills always get paid and you learn to live on whatever else is in that pot after savings. This is a great way to clean it up. It's a good first stop because then what it allows you to do is separate. Everything's not as important as everything else. Some things are more important than other things. Like keeping a roof over your head is more important than Christmas shopping. It just is. But if the money for the mortgage is in the same account with the money for Christmas shopping and vacation and everything else, it's very easy to get yourself on the wrong side of this. So my household bill money to a separate account. If my spouse and I are both working and we're both contributing to the household bills, every single paycheck, so much of my money, so much of his money should go into that account. Four bills, that's the only thing we use it for. Everything else can go to another joint account that we use for other things, or you can split it, save it, invest it, whatever you're doing with that other money, but you segregate first your bill money and you do that first. If your goal is to save more, and you haven't done a great job of saving in the past, I have a couple of tips for you as well. One thing we know, and I'll tell you, it's been true no matter how much money people have made over the years that I've worked with, but those who save systematically save more. I'll say it again. Those who save systematically save more. Those who say to me how they're gonna save a portion of their bonus, they're gonna get a big bonus and then they're gonna give me a big amount of money. It never happens that way or it mostly never happens that way. They give me less than they said they were going to do for investing because two or three things other came up, they decided to book a vacation, blah, blah, blah. But those people that save every single month coming out of their paycheck into the 401k or coming out of their checking account into their investment account, they save more by habit than the people with the bonuses save on purpose. Just true. You wanna be a better saver, make it easier to be a better saver. You can do that by, in the 401k plan at work, almost all of them now have this thing called the automatic increase. So let's say you're doing 4% in your 401k plan and you know it's not enough and you should save more, but you don't know where you'll find the income from. You could just change it to 5%. And then when you do that, automatically enroll for an increase each year by 1%. And what'll happen is over time, you'll be saving more money. You won't even miss it. So automatic increases in the 401k plan allow you to save more over time, spread the payment out over the whole year, but you get the benefit, both tax benefits, pre-tax savings, and then also retirement, like we said, could be a really long time. So you're gonna wanna have some money. Systematic savings for college. You wanna put your kids through college and you haven't saved any money and they're now five years old. The amount of money that you'd need to save to send them to college for four years is staggering. Don't worry about that. It's not that that's not a good goal. It's that that is a goal that has become beyond the grasp of middle-class America, sending their kid to a four-year college where they go away. It's just financially gotten too big. But it being too big doesn't mean that you should show up with zero. Figure out what you can do and do something. If what you can save is $200 a month, then start a systematic savings plan into an investment for $200 a month. You could do a 529 plan. You could do a regular investment account. You could do an exchange traded fund. You could do it through all kinds of different kinds of companies. You could keep the cost really cheap. The idea though is to save something and to save it systematically. I don't care if it's $50 a month. Whatever you do is what you're starting with. It's not what you're finishing with. Get over the idea that I should be all the way where I want to be and just decide to be further down the road than you are right now. That's what I mean about that instant gratification. Instead of just deciding that I can't be where I want to be, but I'm going to get closer to it, is a choice. Saying I just can't get there, therefore I won't do anything, is also a choice. So pick where you want to be. If you can't save all the money that you need to save for college, or you can't save all the money that you need to save for retirement, try saving a little bit more. And then create an opportunity for you to increase that. So I talked a little bit earlier about hiring a financial professional and why people do them. One of the things is financial professionals badger you into saving more. They're like, oh, could we save a little bit more? Oh, how much money do we have in our checking account? Can we add a little bit more? They keep you honest with your goals. Is this really important? Is this something that you really wanna do? Here's where we are compared to where you want to be. And here's where I think you could get. You tell me, could we move this a little bit closer? And I think people miss that part of what it is that they're trying to get from a financial professional. It's not just guidance. It's that accountability. Not accountability to the financial professional, but accountability to yourself and to the goals. Because most people aren't that good at self-regulating. We're just not, we're busy people and a lot's going on in our lives. So if you really want to have better financial control as part of your 2020 goal versus you just wanna want it. But if you really want it, consider these steps. An hour to two hours of passive financial education, podcasting in your car, reading a little bit online, And then an hour or two every week just to work on. And some of this you're probably already doing, paying your bills, but actually opening them and reading them and then questioning them. So if it takes you a half an hour to pay your bills, maybe you spend an hour instead and you decide what that time is going to be. And then you do it. And every week, that is the thing you do between nine and 10 on Saturday morning, whatever it is the thing that you've chosen, whenever it works for you, but that you pick a time and that you go with that time. You think about that like an appointment with your future. If you're one of those people that's able to do really well with your goals this year, because of any or some of these tips, then next year, we could talk about something else. Wouldn't that be great? Listen, happy new year to everybody. And I wish you all a great 2020. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.